Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. On this show, I have talked at length about the importance of eating enough protein, but sometimes eating protein throughout the day can be a challenge. However, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts and is the perfect addition to your day. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, over 10% of your daily value. It's one of the highest protein nuts out there. But that's not all. Pistachios are also known for their fiber and better for you unsaturated fats, which we all need in our diet. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on your summer adventures. So whether you're dropping off the kids or running between meetings, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. Normally, our Tuesday episodes are interviews with Black women and women of color in the wellness space talking about a topic relevant to their expertise, which we will be returning with that again next Tuesday. But for this week, it is actually going to be a solo episode just with yours truly here talking about our latest book club pick, Eloquent Rage. If you didn't know already, The Balanced Black Girl has a book club component of our community where every other month we read a book by a black woman author. And here in the Seattle area, we meet up to discuss our book picks. And I realized that we actually have a lot of people in our book club community who are not in the Seattle area, who are not able to make our book club meetings. And I thought that it would be really great to start dedicating some episodes every once in a while to our book club picks and to having a broader discussion about our book club picks to include more people in the conversation. So that is what we're going to do today. Before we jump into that, though, I wanted to share with you the review of the week. This week's review is a five-star review from S4 Mama titled Real and Relatable. It says, I have been enjoying this podcast for about a month now. 
Every episode has been so relevant for things I am going through in life. The guests on the show have provided valuable information and education in my career as a social worker. I just love this podcast. Thank you so much for this review. I am so glad, one, that you love the show, and two, that the topics and the guests have been relevant for your life and even for your career as a social worker. That is really the goal of the show is for it to be really relatable and to meet our listeners where they're at. And I am so glad this show does that for you. If you have not yet left us a review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. It is a huge, huge help for the show. That is how iTunes decides who gets to see the show. It is how the show can grow and it provides valuable feedback that we use to help improve the show for you. So if you have not yet left us an Apple Podcast review, please do. I would really, really appreciate it. It truly is the best thing you can do to support Support the show. All right, so diving into today's topic, if you've been following along with the Balanced Black Girl Book Club, you may have seen that we just finished our April May pick titled Eloquent Rage A Black Feminist Discovers Her Superpower, written by Brittany Cooper. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the book club has become an integral part of the Balanced Black Girl movement and community. Back in November, I posted on Instagram that I was reading Becoming by Michelle Obama and invited my followers to read along with me, creating kind of an unofficial book club for Balanced Black Girl. A group of women who read the book met up here in Seattle back in January, and I realized we had something really special on our hands. First off, everyone there connected immediately and an inviting community was instantly formed. Friendships of women who did not know each other before the book club have been created and several of the women within the book club have also just started having their own groups where they're bringing communities together, which has been incredible. And also by the end of that meeting, everyone was asking me what the next read was. (laughs) And so I realized that it was going to be a real thing and a real book club. At first, I thought we would just meet to talk about becoming And if you follow me on social media, you may have seen that our group actually had a chance to meet and talk about becoming again with Michelle Obama herself joining us. Yes, that really happened. Yes, I know I have not officially made an episode of the podcast about it. I am still planning on doing so, and I'm really trying to get some footage from uh, the meeting itself, and it's just taking a little while to get it. So I know I haven't given an official recap of that. I still plan to do it when I have all the permissions available to do so. But in a very short amount of time, the book club has done some pretty incredible things and it has become a really, really special part of this community. So back to Eloquent Rage, which was our April-May pick. Uh, Released in 2018, Eloquent Rage is authored by Brittany Cooper, who is an associate professor of women's and gender studies and Africana studies at Rutgers University, and she's also the co-founder of the Crunk Feminist Collective. So I will tell y'all, I love powering through books. That is kind of my style, turning off my phone, getting in a comfy spot with a book and getting totally lost in it in a weekend. Like that's how I usually love to read. However, (laughs) this book was not a book that you could do that with because it's very dense. It's very heavy. It's not a book that you can just power through. You can't really get lost in a book 
that holds a mirror up to some of your painful lived experiences. And that was kind of how I felt as I was reading this book. So it took me a little bit longer than I think most other books of similar length would take me, but it was well worth the read. So even if you have not yet read the book, um, please still tune in because a lot of the themes of the book that we're going to talk about today are really just life themes. You know, a few weeks ago at our book club meeting, we even had some women attend who hadn't yet read the book, but were still able to be fully present and engaged in the conversation because so much of it is really just about the lived experiences of black women. So even if you have not yet read the book, even if you're not done with the book, I'm not going to give any you know major spoilers. I still highly, highly recommend reading the book if you haven't yet already. So I'll make sure that we have that linked in the show notes there. Um, But I would just love to have an open, broader conversation beyond the book club meeting that we had here in Seattle a few weeks ago. So I'm just going to talk about some of the key themes of the book that really jumped out to me. And I would love to hear from you either on social media or within the Balanced Black Girl podcast community Facebook group, your reactions, your experiences, if you have not yet been able to chat about the book with us. So one of the key messages of this book that I particularly loved is Brittany's emphasis on the importance of female friendships. So I've experienced some low-level or low-key kind of crispy or mean girl moments in my life. However, I am really fortunate to have had really strong, supportive female friendships for the most part. And as I've gotten older and as I begin to understand more about the world and myself and value all of my friends, I really cherish the black woman friendships I have in my life because no one truly understands our lived experience the way we do do. And the sense of sisterhood that we form when we're truly for each other is unparalleled. So when I hear women talk about being unable to trust other women or not having female friendships or saying they don't get along with other women, it just it breaks my heart because I know that those feelings often come from somewhere. They don't come from nowhere. So perhaps stories um, that we are told that can be rooted in truth or experiences from our youth did not mean to make that rhyme or negative experiences that we've had. I get that. And I get that sometimes when you're young, you, you can kind of have some some crispy moments with other people. I totally get it. However, There is just nothing like being on your grown woman stuff with other grown ass women who love, support, and understand you. And keeping those bonds and friendships front and center of black feminism, as Brittany puts it in the book, really, really resonated with me. In fact, she says in the book that it was a homegirl intervention that truly turned her into a feminist. And one of my favorite quotes from the book read, Black girls of every age need other black girls who can hold their truths. And I think that there's nothing more true than that. I know that I have been really fortunate to have experienced that in my life at all different stages of life. If you have not yet listened to the Feel Good Friday episode a few weeks ago about making friends as an adult, I highly, highly recommend that as well, because I know sometimes as you go through life transitions, maybe the friends that you had growing up 
are not the the ones who resonate with you as an adult or if you move to a new city or you find yourself in new situations it can be hard to make new friends but it is entirely possible so I highly recommend going back a couple of weeks to that episode if you're looking for maybe some tips or advice to help you form those new friendships because new friendships can be just as strong just as powerful and just as supportive as some of those older friendships so Definitely, definitely was a theme that really, really resonated with me in the book. So the book is titled Eloquent Rage, and there was a lot of conversation around kind of what that meant when we had our book club meeting here in Seattle a few weeks ago. And according to Brittany, uh, part of the titling of the book comes from her idea that when Black women express our rage, it is clear. We have a direct target making it eloquent. One of the quotes from the book was, black women turn to sass when rage is too risky because we have jobs to keep, families to feed, and bills to pay. And I know I definitely felt that. That was one of the quotes that I highlighted and brought up with the group when we met a few weeks ago. And I think for all of us, we have all felt the weight of the angry black woman stereotype. I know I personally have at times done everything I could to tiptoe around it and in some settings still do so, maybe downplaying anger instead saying that I was passionate. But the truth of the matter is sometimes we're not necessarily feeling passionate. Sometimes we're feeling angry. And elements of this book really helped me come to grips with the fact that sometimes it's okay to be angry and that we as black women can feel anger or any other emotion just like anyone else. And we don't necessarily have to feel shame about that. Now, how you manage your emotions and, and knowing that there is a time and a place for everything is also really important. And that's important for everyone to understand But allowing ourselves to feel the things we feel because there is a lot of really justifiable anger to be had with a lot of things that are happening in our world, happening in our society, things that impact our daily lives and allowing ourselves to truly feel what we feel and without having fear of a label that is not fairly given is really, really important. So I personally don't really have a solution to that. I mean, I know that still having some fear around the angry black woman stereotype is something that I still deal with. However, I am really, really trying to be more conscious of allowing myself to feel things that I want to feel. And if something makes me angry, obviously, like I said, there's a time and a place for everything. It's not necessarily the time and the place to make sure everybody knows about it at that moment. But allowing myself to truly feel the things that I'm feeling can be really important and If that's something that you deal with too, I would love to impart that on to you. And it's an individual journey. Obviously, we all have kind of different things going on in our lives and we all express ourselves differently, but it's just something to really think about. Let yourself feel the things that you need to feel. So the other aspect that I wanted to talk about was really around the idea of feminism in general. So there's a lot of conversations, especially since the 2016 election, around feminism, around women coming together for different events and movements and things like the Women's March and things like Me Too and really, really important causes and conversations. But it's also really, really important that we make sure that 
everyone is seen, heard, protected, and represented. And I think a lot of the, I don't want to say criticisms, but feedback from some of these movements is that they're not necessarily for everybody. Not everybody is represented by some of these movements. Not everyone is protected by some of these things. And figuring out, especially where we as black women fit into this, where we deal with a lot of these same issues and a lot of the same maybe instances of sexism, uh, but also having our skin color play a huge factor and not being as heard or taken seriously or as protected in some of these situations with our white counterparts, it's a real issue. And it's something that is really, really important to address. And it's something that if anyone listening or in any conversations that you have, you know, you consider yourself a feminist, and and I say this to myself as well, it's important to really take a firm look at what your definition of feminism is and who is included in that definition. Because there's a whole lot to feminism, and there's a broad definition of who should be included and protected and heard from and helped by that movement. And it's really, really important that we're having those conversations and really looking at ourselves in the mirror to make sure that we are including everyone who needed to be included in that movement. And one of the other ideas around this topic was reactionary, being reactionary versus being accountable. And one of the other quotes from the book that really, really stuck out to me was around black feminism not being reactionary. So the quote from the book reads, black feminism is not a reactionary project. It is not about the damage that white girls do. Black feminism is about the world black women and girls can build if all the haters would raise up and let us get to work. When I talk about owning eloquent rage as your superpower, it comes with a clear caveat that not everyone is worth your time or your rage. So that quote really, really stuck out to me for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, kind of what I was talking about in terms of those definitions of feminism that aren't necessarily inclusive of all of the people who need to be supported by the movement. And I think that a lot of conversations in recent years have brought that to light, which is great, but more conversations need to continue to happen. Uh, But two, is this idea of black women coming in and saving the day for people who would not save the day for us. And I think that a lot of us have experienced this on a personal level, and we have also seen this on a broader scale at a societal level of really feeling put in positions where it's our job to kind of save the day and do everything for everyone. But when the shoe is on the other foot, not feeling as supported by other groups as we support of others. And what I really loved about this quote and about this definition It's basically saying that black feminism and us as black women owning our superpower doesn't need to necessarily happen in reaction to what other people can do. That us needing to step up and save everyone else is not necessarily the best use of our time, of our energy, of our resources, but maybe being in positions where people get us get out of the way and let us do the dope, amazing things that we are capable of is the best way for us to use our energy, time, and resources to make the world around us better. And that's something that has really, really resonated with me because I know that I am on a personal level 
definitely stood up for people who have not stood up for me and who would not stand up for me in many situations, overextended myself for people who would never overextend themselves for me. And there's so many people who have been in the same predicament, especially as black women. And it's something to be really, really conscious of. I know for me, as I've gotten older, been really, really conscious of and really mindful of when it comes to where I spend my time, where I spend my resources and how I use my voice. So reactionary versus holding people accountable, I think is something that is really, really important to do, especially being in such a turbulent political climate at the moment. Taking a brief pause from our book club chat to talk about one of my favorite sips this season. Summer is right around the corner, which means I plan on spending as much time enjoying the sunshine with an ice cold beverage in hand as much as possible. My favorite sip at the moment is from our Balanced Black Girl book club partner, Soundcraft Seltzer. It's light, refreshing, and it's fermented from whole ingredients. Personally, my favorite flavor is rosé, which is made from fresh pressed blackberries because yes way rosé. For my local Seattle listeners, you can find Soundcraft Seltzer at your local grocery store and at the Woods Tasting Room. And Soundcraft Seltzer is actually available nationwide. If you head to the show notes, we will have a link there where you can find a locator to find Soundcraft Seltzer in stores near you. Soundcraft Seltzer is elevating hard seltzer to a whole nother level. One of my favorite chapters in the book was titled Bag Lady, and it really, really challenged me to reframe my thinking and to be a lot more empathetic towards myself and towards others around me. So really, this chapter talked about the idea that being a bag lady is not because of the sum of personal choices. So a lot of us have heard the term bag lady. (laughs) Most of us by now probably know the Erica Badu song. We talk about releasing things that are no longer serving us and around not taking on the loads of other people. Heck, I was just talking about it just now when I was talking about not standing up for people who wouldn't stand up for us. And I've talked about it before on this podcast of, you know, releasing the load and not taking on things that we don't have to take on. And yes, while that can be true to an extent, that also still makes it sound like some of the loads that we carry are from personal choices. And that's not the case. And I really, really appreciated that this part of the book really challenged my thinking of this and has allowed me to be a lot more compassionate with myself and with others. Essentially, it's the idea that empowerment and freedom, being able to reduce our load, is a result of social constructs. And it's really hard to obtain that when so many systems are set up against you. Systems are set up against us because of our gender. Systems are set up against us because of our race. Systems are set up against us financially when it comes to things like generational wealth, access to information, access to education, access to jobs, and things of that nature. A lot of that baggage that a lot of us are carrying around is a result of those systems, not necessarily from our personal choices. And one of the quotes from the book that I really, really loved that I think really, really summed this up well 
was that the unfair part is that folks are far more concerned with policing how black women carry the baggage than with reducing the load hoisted upon us in the first place. And when I read that, I it was probably one of those moments where I had to put, put the book down for a second and kind of take take a breath and take a break and just absorb that and let that sink in because there have been plenty of times where I have done that for myself and I have done that in judgment of others, policing how I and others are carrying the load and not looking at where did that load come from in the first place? Where did that sense of heaviness come from in the first place? It's not necessarily our choice to keep carrying these things around, but we have so much that can be placed upon us just in our daily lives that we are trying to stay afloat and that we're trying to keep going that sometimes being able to just simply reduce the load and release what doesn't serve us is far beyond our control. And that being able to have empowerment and being able to have freedom to do such is not necessarily attained from our own individual actions, but it is obtained by social systems. And I think by now, a lot of us know that a lot of social systems that are in place in our society are very, very broken. So obtaining freedom, obtaining power, reducing the load from those systems is not necessarily as easy to do as it is to say. And that really, really helped me reframe my thinking. And the last quote from that that really sums up the bag lady point really well that I will leave you with there says, every kind of black woman has fought for our right to be free to travel in pursuit of dreams and destiny. The weight of the nation is not ours to carry. So if that's not a mic drop, I don't know what is except I'm not actually dropping the mic because this episode isn't quite over yet. There are still more points that I want to talk about. So another common theme of this show that I know that I have touched on before, specifically when it comes to the wellness space, is around privilege. We've talked about it a bit when it comes to access to fitness, when it comes to access to food. We have touched on this in a lot of different episodes, and wellness and privilege definitely go hand in hand. However, I think on a broader scale, I mean, systemically, privilege is a huge, huge conversation topic. And one of the elements of the book that totally like was a mind blown moment for me was the quote that read, white privilege works by making advantages white people have invisible while making the supposedly poor choices of people of color hyper visible. And the reason why this quote totally just was a mind blower for me was because I thought of all of the different situations in my life where I was around people who had a lot more privilege than me, especially my college years was when I really, really struggled with this. And I just, I couldn't fully understand why. That was my first time really being exposed to people who had privilege that was far greater and above and beyond and different than anything I had ever seen before. It was the first time I'd ever really seen white privilege at work. It was the first time I'd ever really seen elitism and people who just have all of these financial resources, unlike anything that I had ever, 
ever seen before and would really beat myself up thinking it is my poor choices. It is my fault that I don't have that. It is my fault that I'm not from these places or that I don't have these things or that I don't have the means to do all of these things. Putting all of that pressure and burden on myself as if it were poor choices I made because I couldn't see a privilege behind the surface. And it's because privilege is often seen as invisible. Again, it's systemic. It's those systems that are working in the background that help some people and not others. And it makes those systems that are helping only certain people and not others super incognito, super beneath the surface and under the radar while making those who maybe have less or may not be from those same spaces or who have access to those same things really phrasing instead of a lack of access phrasing those things or framing them as poor choices and I just completely was floored and it made so much sense and reframed my mindset in so many ways when I read that quote. And I think another version of that that she also talks about in the book was the idea of black exceptionalism. And that is also something that I am not necessarily proud to say that I have also had quite a bit of experience with. So obviously, white privilege is something that we have talked about here on the show. It's something that was very clear and evident in that quote that I just read. But there's also a lot of kind of privilege and exceptionalism within our own community and not seeing the struggles of others as a result of their own choices, but rather as a result of systemic oppression. So even if you are someone who, like me, is maybe from a low-income neighborhood or who grew up around people with all different circumstances or people in your own class who maybe grew up in your own neighborhood and who have similar structures saying, hey, I'm able to do X, Y, Z. I was able to go to college. I was able to do this. And we grew up in the same spot. Why weren't you? Well, there are still systems at work that will pick a couple of us and say, okay, you're special. You get these special opportunities. You get to do these things. And we'll kind of leave everyone else behind to basically just let them be victims of the system. And I know for me, I have absolutely benefited from from some of those systems of being plucked out or someone seeing a bit of potential and saying, oh, we think you're quote unquote special and here's a quote unquote special opportunity for you where I didn't necessarily I won't say I didn't deserve it, but I wasn't necessarily any more exceptional or special than someone else. I just maybe had a bit of privilege in that way that someone was able to see something that led me down an entirely different path that someone who was on the same path as me as a peer maybe didn't have. And it again, made it seem like it was their own poor choices that got them there when that's not the case. It was the system working against them and them not getting the same opportunities that even me being from a similar background in the same neighborhood had. And one of the the last quotes that I will leave there that also really, really stuck out to me in the book was that exceptionalism or struggle should not be the only pathways available to black people. And unfortunately, I think oftentimes that can be the case where you are either kind of plucked out of something as seen as exceptional or special, or you're just kind of left in the system to fend for yourself. And the fact that for so many people, those are the only two options is horrible and it's unacceptable. And I know I said it quite a bit in this episode, but this is really how I felt as I was reading the book was that it really challenged my thinking 
around a lot of those constructs and systems and how I move and how I treat others and how I interact with others and how I choose to give back and create change. And it was really, really eye-opening. So now I would love to kind of get into wrapping things up and what do we do with all of this information? And this was also part of what we talked about in the book club uh, meeting that we had a few weeks ago here in Seattle. And actually something really special that happened at that book club meeting, we were at um, a cafe here in the area and uh, Boon Buna Coffee, which is a Black-owned coffee shop uh, in my own hometown here. And we had a woman come over. We probably were about an hour into the discussion. And she was just like, you know, I'm just here getting some work done. But this conversation is incredible. And it's exactly what I've been looking for. This is the community that I've been looking for. Is it okay if I sit in and join you? And we're like, absolutely pull up a chair, the more the merrier. Again, even if you haven't read the book, a lot of these themes are so ingrained in our daily lives that like you will still fully be able to participate. But it's just that. So one of our biggest solutions I think to this that we at least can control or have some power over because we can't fix the system overnight and we can't fix the system necessarily on our own but is really seeking out community right seeking out community one of the quotes in the book says getting into formation with other like-minded folks is one way we can help our fears not win and really opening up those conversations and talking about that really tough stuff in the systems that we've all been a part of and have all had to kind of navigate and being really open and transparent with that is one way to be super, super powerful. And honestly, creating a community where that was happening wasn't necessarily my intention with all of this. And it just kind of happened organically and on its own. Because again, like that quote said, when like minded people get together, really incredible things can happen. And that is just one example where we spent over two hours talking about really heavy, deep, hard stuff. And yet everybody was buzzing, everybody was engaged. And someone who was just a bystander said, this is what I've been looking for, like birds of a feather flock together. And when we're able to really get in those spaces and not be afraid to shy away from um, hard conversations or not shying away from hard conversations, I should say, is something that is really, really important. And in the book, you know, one of the things that um, the author, Brittany, talked about that we can all kind of do is really focusing on our own joy, focusing on our own joy. And I know joy is something that we have talked about on the show. Actually, I believe it is the episode um, Buying Black and Living Green with Dr. Kristen Henderson, the founder of Black and Green. She and I talked quite a bit about this in that episode where she talked about the importance of having joy as a black woman. And just like earlier where I said, hey, sometimes we do get angry and it's okay to feel anger. It is also okay to see and feel 
and express our joy because joy is something that can't be taken away from us. And when we as a people are joyful, it is infectious, it is beautiful, it is exuberant, and it is something that just cannot be denied. Like I said, we cannot necessarily change the system overnight, but we can find those own sources of joy for ourselves. And when we're all able to kind of tap into and find our own sources of joy and really share that joy, there's really nothing more powerful than that. So that is our (laughs) wrap up and recap of the read of Eloquent Rage, which was our April, May Balanced Black Girl Book Club pick. If you have read this book, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear your commentary. Again, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Balanced Black Girl Podcast. Reach out to us in the Facebook group, the Balanced Black Girl Podcast community on Facebook. We'll have a thread started there to talk more about this book and the key themes that resonate with you um, because it really, really is just such dense, important material to discuss. And I'm really, really grateful for the ways that this book really challenged me and pushed me far outside of my comfort zone to think differently, to think differently and to be more empathetic towards myself and towards others. And if you would like more information about the Balanced Black Girl po- uh, Book Club, <laughs> you're listening to the podcast, but if you'd like more information about the book club, you can sign up for official book club updates at balanceblackgirl.com slash book club, which I will have linked in the show notes. Or if you go to balanceblackgirl.com on the main menu, there is a page titled book club. You can sign up for our emails there so that you are notified when new book picks are released. You will also be notified when we are having our book club meetups here in the Seattle area. Uh, At the time that this episode is being released, we are heading into June 2019. So that means that it is time for a new book club pick. And our next book club pick for our June-July read is going to be Queenie by Candace Carty-Williams. Queenie by Candace Carty-Williams. I'm really, really excited to dive into that book. It came highly recommended from our guest Harmony, who was here on the show a few weeks ago, who is the founder of the Literacy Lounge. Um, That was the book that the giveaway winner won from our Literacy Lounge giveaway. And I'm really, really excited to dive into a bit of a story for our next Balanced Black Girl book club pick. So if you do not already have a copy of Queenie, we will have that linked in the show notes. And again, balanceblackgirl.com slash book club, which will also be linked in the show notes, is where you can sign up to get more information on our book club picks. Lastly, when we're talking about book clubs, I've gotten a lot of questions from people in other cities saying, are you going to be bringing the Balanced Black Girl Book Club to my city? The short answer to that is yes and no. (laughs) So I would love to bring Balanced Black Girl Book Club and other activities to other cities Absolutely. I cannot promise that that is necessarily going to happen with this book. But in the future, that is definitely something that we're looking at is figuring out how we can expand to other cities. So if you are not in Seattle, I still highly recommend that you sign up for the updates. Make sure you join us in the Facebook group. Read along with us. Tag me on social media and let me know what you think. 
and stay tuned for when we come to other cities. So yes, it will be happening eventually. I just can't quite tell you when yet or what that's going to look like, but stay tuned because we are working on figuring out how to make that possible. And if you are in the Seattle area and if you're really seeking out a community of like-minded women, I highly, highly recommend coming to our next Balanced Black Girl Book Club meeting. Uh, The next one will be in July. We are locking down a date and having details now. But again, if you are signed up at balanceblackgirl.com slash book club, you will be the first to know when our event opens up. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Thank you so much for reading along with me, for being willing to have challenging discussions. I am so, so grateful for you. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. 